Amen. All right, well, we're there in Second uh, Timothy chapter number 4, and I'd like you to look down at just the first couple of verses there, very well-known verses from the Word of God, Second Timothy chapter 4. In verse 1, the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And I want you to notice verse number 2. It's a very well-known verse. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And of course, this uh, verse here in 2 Timothy is a verse that needs to do with... Um, if I can get somebody to help me with a water, I'd appreciate that. It's a verse that has to do with uh, the preaching of God's Word. And, of course, the Apostle Paul here is speaking to Timothy uh, and encouraging him as a young preacher to preach the Word. And he says, you need to be instant. He says, you need to be ready at a moment's notice. Notice, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. And we see here that uh, preaching is uh, partly negative and partly positive. Reproof, rebuke, exhort, uh, with all long suffering and doctrine. Thank you. And um, we see this verse here regarding the preaching of the Word of God. And the reason I'm bringing you here this morning is because, of course, we are just a few days away from our uh, annual Red Hot Preaching Conference. And just kind of by way of introduction, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about the conference and uh, if, if you've ever been in my office, uh, which some of you, uh, many of you haven't, and those, those of you that have been, you're, you're in there because you're in trouble for something, so you probably might not have noticed this, uh, but framed on my wall in my office uh, is our church's mission statements, and we've got about seven things that are outlined on that mission statement, uh, and one of those things is to protect the future of fundamentalism by actively planting churches, and uh, this was a uh, mission state. We have seven statements that Brother Stuckey and I developed years and years ago uh, when our church was uh, young regarding what we wanted to accomplish. And there's lots of things there about soul winning and about uh, reaching people with the gospel and discipleship. But one of, one of the statements says, protect the future of fundamentalism. Protect the future of fundamentalism. Now, originally we wrote on there, protect the future of fundamentalism by actively planting churches. And we've done that. Our church, including this church that you're sitting in, uh, this morning, we've uh, started seven churches uh, over the last 12 years, and, uh, and we praise the Lord for that. Three, other than our church, three stateside, three on the mission field, and by God's grace, all of them are doing well, and all of them are, are succeeding. Uh, but honestly, that statement, protect the future of fundamentalism, is one of the reasons why we started the Red Hot Preaching Conference. And uh, one of the reasons we began this conference, and for some of you, obviously, if you're part of our church, you're probably aware with our, of our conference. Some of you, maybe not so much if you're newer, uh, but we have this conference we do every year called the Red Hot Preaching Conference, and we will literally have people from all over the country and, uh, and, and, and different parts of the world uh, that will come uh, to this conference. And uh, this, this auditorium, I mean, this morning, right now, this auditorium is fairly full, and we've got maybe about 220 people uh, here this morning, uh, but when you show up on Thursday night, there's going to be uh, probably, you know, if things have go the way they've gone, uh, I don't know, 350, 400 people uh, are going to get squeezed into uh, this and the fellowship hall and overflows and chairs everywhere and all of that, and the Lord has blessed this conference, uh, but we began this conference to protect fundamentalism, to 
uh, promote uh, fundamentalism. And sometimes people ask me, you know, what's the theme of the Red Hot Preaching Conference? Because people used to go into conferences and there's a theme uh, maybe on end times or maybe on soul winning or things like that. And I always tell people that the theme is Red Hot Preaching. That's what the theme of the conference is. And the theme is a conference promoting the biblical hard preaching of the Word of God. And here at Verity Baptist Church, we believe in biblical preaching. We believe in uh, hard preaching. We believe in uh, red-hot preaching. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about there in verse 2 when he says, Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. He says, Our job is to preach the Word of God. Paul said elsewhere that it is to preach the whole counsel of God, and we are to preach it whether it's popular or not, in season and out of season. Uh, whether people like it or not, our job is to preach God's Word and to be instant, to be ready at a moment's notice to preach the Word of God. And I'd like you to keep your place there in 2 Timothy. We're going to come back to 2 Timothy later on. And I'd like you to go with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. If you're there in 2 Timothy, then you have Titus, Philemon, and then Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 5. And while you go there, let me pre uh, read for you from Isaiah, Isaiah 58 and verse 1. You go to Hebrews, keep your place in 2 Timothy. Isaiah 58 and verse 1 says this, cry aloud. Here's a, another verse on preaching. And this is the, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, writing about the act of preaching. And he describes it this way. He says, cry aloud. That phrase, cry aloud, means to, to, to yell, to raise your voice. Cry aloud. Spare not. The word spare not means to not hold anything back to uh, say everything that God wants you to say. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Again, speaking uh, to the subject of uh, being, uh, our preaching should be dynamic. We should uh, be uh, dynamic in our preaching. We should raise our voice and make ourselves known. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And then it says this, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. One of the purposes of preaching is to show people uh, what they're doing wrong, to show people when they are transgressing, to show people their sins. And this is why Isaiah said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. Now, what I'm preaching about this morning, and, and this has all been introduction, and I'm going to get into the sermon here in a minute, but I'm preaching a sermon entitled, Preparing for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. Preparing for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. And the reason I'm preaching this is because our, our church is a, a very uh, unique church. And I've talked about this recently. Uh, it's been on my mind. But we are a church that is both building and battling. And, and I, I, I take that idea from the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah was building a wall, but he was also fighting those who were uh, trying to stop him from building that wall. They had a hammer in one hand and a weapon in the other. They were building and battling. And that's how I describe Verity Baptist Church. Verity Baptist Church is a church that is both building and battling. Today, oftentimes what you find with churches is you find churches, uh, uh, a lot of times you find churches that are trying to do a lot of building. And what I mean by that is they're trying to reach people and they're trying to get a crowd into the church and they're trying to get new people into the church. And if that's being done appropriately and they're preaching the right gospel, hey, praise God for that. But oftentimes what you find is that churches and pastors that emphasize the idea of building and reaching new converts, they don't do a lot of battling. And the reason for that is because in order to battle or to engage in the Lord's battles and to engage into spiritual warfare, it might... Uh, offend some of the newer Christians. So what you often find is churches 
that are building, that are actually, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about liberals and, and false prophets. I'm talking about actual fundamental Baptist churches that are actually knocking doors, soul winning, reaching their community with the gospel. They might be bringing converts to church and discipling them and growing them. But oftentimes what you find is that those churches are not engaging in spiritual battle. They're not fighting the, the, the battles of the Lord in our culture today. And then you will also find on another extreme, churches that are battling. And these are the churches that are, you know, they'll preach hard. They're not afraid to be on the news. They're not afraid to be, uh, uh, to, to get bad publicity and get bad media. But oftentimes, and not all the time, and not, definitely not within the new IFB, but oftentimes even those churches, they're not doing a lot of building. There's not a lot of new converts. There's not a lot of new, uh, uh, new people uh, coming in to that style of church. Verity Baptist Church is very unique in the sense that we are, and we always have been, and I will always continue, as long as I lead this church, I will continue to focus on these two areas, both building and battling. Yes. Now, the, 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 the reason I bring that up is to say this. What I have found is that every year we have this Red Hot Preaching Conference, but every year our church is growing. Every year we have new converts, new Christians, or maybe not new converts, but maybe converts that have just never really been in a church like this and heard this type of preaching and, and really uh, heard a biblical preaching. Because let's face it, the average church today is not preaching very much of the Bible. The average church today, you're getting 55 minutes of music, a 20-minute sermon, and there's maybe one verse in that sermon. A bunch of stories and a bunch of jokes. And what happens is that sometimes people are newer to our church and they're just not ready for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. So what I want to do this morning is preach a sermon, and I honestly probably should have preached a sermon years and years and years and years ago, is to preach a sermon to just help you prepare for uh, the Red Hot Preaching Conference. I want to give you four thoughts regarding how to prepare for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. And let me just say this. Even if you're here this morning, you say, I'm not coming to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, and I don't care about the Red Hot Preaching Conference. That's great. No problem. I don't have, look, I don't need you to come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference. Uh, I need you in Sunday morning church, <laughs> and I need you in Sunday night church, and I need you soul winning and, and, I, and those things. You know, the Red Hot Preaching Conference is something we do extra, and it's fun and all those things. But even if you, you say, I have no plans of coming to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, that's fine, no problem. But these things that I'm going to teach you this morning are going to be helpful anyway. And anytime the Word of God is open, it's helpful. So let me give you four thoughts regarding preparing for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. If you're there in Hebrews, I'd like you to find Hebrews chapter 5. You kept your place in 2 Timothy, and I want, we're going to go back to 2 Timothy in a moment. I want you to go to Hebrews. And let me just give you four statements regarding preparing for the Red Hot Preaching Conference, and maybe you can write these down. And on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes. Here's statement number one. Realize that Red Hot is not for everyone. <clears throat> realize, and some of you are going to think like, oh, I don't, <clears throat> I, didn't, I don't know about that. Please understand, and I'm going to show you this from the Bible. But here's statement number one, and I, and, I, and, and I always encourage you to take notes, and on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to take notes. And let me just begin with this. Realize that red hot is not for everyone. And let me say it this way. Realize that red hot preaching, and I'm not talking about the conference called the Red Hot Preaching Conference. I'm talking about the act of red hot preaching, Realize that red hot is not for everyone. And what I mean by that is that there are some people who are not ready to receive red hot preaching. You say, I don't know. Prove that from the Bible. Hebrews chapter 5. Are you there? Look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 says this. For when for the time, 
ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Here we have the writer of Hebrews saying, he's speaking to a group of people and saying, you should be further along than you are. He said, in fact, it's about time that ye ought to be teachers, but instead of you being teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Notice what he says, last part of verse 12. He says, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, I want you to understand something here. Here, there's an illustration being used regarding food, but the idea is we're talking about spiritual food. And what he's saying is this. Babies cannot eat. Newborn babies do not have the teeth and the digestive development to be able to eat a steak, to be able to eat a hamburger. When someone is a baby, they have to be given milk. Now, the goal is not for someone to drink milk for the rest of their life. The goal is to give them enough milk and help them grow so that they get to the place where they can handle the meat. Well, spiritually, we're being told it's the same way. Sometimes people, they're just not ready for the meat of the Word of God. Look at the last part of verse 12. And are become such as have need of milk. He said, he's the writer of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, that's up for debate. He's looking at individuals, he's saying, you're not ready for strong meat. He said, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, the first, uh, the, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He said, you have need of milk and, are not, uh, and, uh, and not of strong meat. Look at verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Notice it, for he is a babe. And look, again, and please understand something. There's two situations being spoken of here. First of all, there's nothing wrong with being a baby if you're a baby, right? Walking up to a three-month-old and saying, you are such a crybaby, is not an insult. They're like, yeah, I'm a baby, right? The problem is when you're a grown man in your 40s and you're a big, fat baby. That's the problem, right? When Pastor Jimenez can't, can't look at you and tell you, hey, stop doing this, and you're just like, yeah. It's like, why are you being such a baby? That's the problem, right? A baby, being a baby is no problem. A big, fat adult acting like a baby, big problem. So if you, you say, I'm a brand new Christian, hey, no problem. But please understand something. That spiritual maturity does not come as a result of time. The amount of time that you've been saved does not equate to the amount of spirituality you have. You say, what equates to spiritual uh, maturity? How skilled you are with the Word of God. Look at it, verse 13. For everyone that uses milk, why do they use milk? Why are they immature? Is unskillful. Unskillful in what? In the Word of Righteousness. For he is a babe. See, you may have been saved for many, many years, but you've never read the Bible cover to cover. You've never really heard biblical preaching. You've been in shallow churches your entire life. You never really got fed the meat of the word of God. I'm not trying to offend you, but you're a babe. Say, well, what are we doing here at Verity Baptist Church? We're putting you on a, on a high-protein diet. 
We're trying to get you caught up. Look at verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them. You could, you could you look at that phrase strong meat and just think red hot preaching. But strong meat, but red hot preaching, but biblical preaching. Good night. This water is just going to annoy me the entire service. Hard preaching, biblical preaching belongeth to them, notice, that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use. Again, how do you become mature? You say, I want to mature spiritually by reason of use. You say, you want to mature spiritually? Read the Bible. Amen. You want to mature spiritually? Show up to Bible preaching uh, services. Because I tell people, hey, people come to church on Sunday morning. They're like, oh, I learned so much on Sunday morning. Well, imagine how much more you'd learn if you showed up Sunday night. Imagine how much more you'd learn if you showed up Wednesday night. Imagine how much more you'd learn if you actually opened the Bible and read it on Monday morning and Tuesday morning. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Not everyone is ready for strong meat. Now, some people aren't ready for strong meat because they're a spiritual baby. They literally just got saved. That's okay. Let's give them milk and give them time to grow. Other people are not ready for strong meat, though they might have been saved for a long time. They're just spiritually malnourished. They just haven't done a lot of Bible reading themselves. They haven't really been in a church that teaches the Bible. They haven't really been using and been exposed to a lot of biblical preaching. So they're just not ready for the preaching of, uh, of the strong meat. So here's the point that I want to make. Realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. You say, well, what do we do with that? Well, go to 1 Peter. You're there in Hebrews? Go to 1 Peter. You're going to go after James, 1 Peter. By the way, this is one of the reasons why at Verity Baptist Church, I do my best to direct people to what passage of Scripture to go to. Why? Because we are a church that is both building and badly. We often have people in our church that they don't know where the books of the Bible are because they're New York Christians. Hey, and praise God for that. But I want them to get there. Why? Because I know if I can get their eyeballs on the Word of God and they can become skillful in the Word of God, they can grow. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Notice what the Bible says. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word of God that ye may grow thereby. So notice, you can grow, but you say, what should we do with Christians that are not fully mature? Hey, we love them. We're here for them. But we give them the milk they need. So that they, because what's the goal? That they, look at the last part of verse 2. That ye may grow thereby. That's our goal. Our goal is growth. We're not just talking about physical growth like we want a bigger attendance. Our, grow, our goal is to grow this congregation, not physically, necessarily just numerically. I'm talking about growing you spiritually. Amen. Where you are a more mature Christian next year than you are this year where you are growing in your Christian life, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is what the Bible says. So our goal is to feed people milk that ye may grow thereby. Now here's the point that I want to make. You and I need to realize that not everyone is ready for red-hot preaching. Not everyone is ready for the digesting of strong meat. Realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. Now, let me just apply that in a couple of ways. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I just got saved two weeks ago. I don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, let me tell you something. You have my permission to not show up to the red-hot preaching conference. That's okay. I'm not trying to stick a T-bone steak down the throat of a three-month-old. 
You say, what should I do? Show up to church on Sunday morning. Show up to church on Sunday night. Show up to church on Wednesday night. Let us put you on a diet of milk for a, a year. And how about you come next year? Now, I realize that that is counterproductive to uh, what some people think, but that's actually using discernment. And let me just say this for our church family. Because I always think this is funny. And, 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 you know, if you've done this, I'm not against you. I'm not mad at you. I don't even know. I, I know people have done this because people have done this through the years. But I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking of any one individual right now. But this is what I always think is funny. I always think it's funny when someone walks up to me or my wife and they'll, they'll make a statement like this. And this happens pretty much every year. They'll say, you know my grandmother who's not saved? And I'm like, yeah. You know, she thinks we're in a cult? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I've, we've been praying for her to get saved. She thinks we're in a cult. She doesn't really understand the Bible. And I finally talked her into coming to church. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm bringing her on the Friday night of the Red Hot Preaching Conference. <laughs> and they're excited. And I'm like, why? Why? Unless your grandmother is a secret listener of the new IFB. And then, and then here's what happens. You know, Pastor Shelley gets up and preaches some radical sermon. Pastor Anderson gets up and preaches some radical sermon. Pastor Mejia gets up and preaches some radical sermon. Grandma leaves offended, and they're like, oh, I don't know what happened. And I'm thinking, really? You really don't know what happened? You, I mean, I don't think I'm that smart, but I think, you know, are you really? You can't process this? Bringing your neighbor you've been praying for the last two years to get saved who thinks you're a little odd to the Red Hot Preaching Conference may not be a good idea. And then they walk out of fan and you're like, I don't know what happened. I was like, I know what happened. You're an idiot. That's what happened. You say, well, who should I? When my grandmother or my aunt, who I've been praying for years to come, and she thinks I'm in a cold, and she finally agreed to come, when do you think I should bring her? Uh, I don't know, Easter? I don't know, Sunday morning service? I don't know, how about not the Mecca of fundamentalism where we br literally bring the hardest preachers in the country to preach about everything the Bible teaches controversial and you're like, that's the sermon I'm bringing my boss to. Finally talk my boss into coming to church. I'm bringing him on when Pastor Anderson's preaching. He's like, really? Number one. Realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. And here's the point that I'm making. It should be for everyone, but we need to get them there. We need to get them to the place where they have been exposed to enough biblical preaching. They're like, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. But not everyone's there. And if you're here this morning and you're not there, I'm not even taking a dig at you. I'm not, I'm, I, I love you, and I'm trying to help you, and I'm giving you permission to say, look, if you're like, hey, I, I, I identify myself. Right? Isn't that the big thing nowadays? I identify myself. If you identify yourself as a new Christian, then maybe Red House is not for you. I look, and I'm all for self-identify. Tell us, what do you? Are you new Christian? Are you uh, younger in the Lord? I identify myself as tall, <laughs> muscular. Right? They can't tell me I'm not. I, I identify myself as as. Tall, dark, and handsome. That's how I identify myself. And you better not tell me I'm not, or you're a hate person. <laughs> Number one, realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. 
Not everyone is ready for strong meat. We want to get everyone ready for strong meat. We want to get them to the place that they may grow thereby, but not everybody's ready for that. And we that are mature Christians should be mindful enough to realize, and look, just in general, not even about the Reverend you ought to be, you ought to consider, because it's always funny to me, people always want to bring guests to like all the fun activities. Harvest party, 4th of July picnic, you know, just all the fun stuff. It's like, look, let me let you know a little secret. You know who you should bring you, be bringing your guests to? Church. Sunday morning church, bring them here. You know all those other activities we do? Those are meant to, for our church family to fellowship because one of our mission statements, if you go in my office, is to facilitate fellowship, to help develop friendships. We do those activities for two reasons. One is for our church family. Two is for connect, to connect newer people in church to get to know other people in the church. We don't do those activities to bring a bunch of unsaved people to play softball. That's not our goal. That's not our point. Our goal is to reach people with the gospel and disciple them. Once they're saved, bring them to the fun activity. So number one, realize that red hot is not for everyone. Number two, go to Malachi if you would. Keep your place in 2 Timothy. Malachi chapter 2. And again, if you're a newer Christian or a babe in Christ, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching against you. I love you, and I'm telling you, hey, maybe you're newer at this. We want to help you grow. Join our discipleship class. Come to church for a year. Let us teach you, and then, and then you, you'll be ready to hear some of those things. But those of you that are mature, be smart. I just got my first convert saved. I'm bringing him to the Red Hot Bridge. It's like, no. Bad idea. And here's the thing. It might work for some people. Some people might come in and it's like, that was great. Other people are going to be like, what was that? <laughs> and look, our church, obviously Red Hot is always in July. Usually Easter is our big push where we gain a lot of uh, newer converts, start coming to church around Easter time and whatever. And what I've seen over the years is that some of the converts that have been coming since Easter, April, May, June, they're like, oh, the Red Hot Bridge Conference. They come to, to the Red Hot Bridge Conference and they're just like offended. And look, and, and you say, oh, it's because you haven't preached everything. Am I really supposed to preach everything from April to July every year? Just right after Easter, let me just preach every controversial thing in the Bible. Look, people need time to grow. So let them grow. Realize that red hot is not for everyone. Number two, recognize that the Bible is controversial. We're talking about red hot preaching conference, how to prepare. Here's a way for you to prepare. You ought to recognize that the Bible is controversial. Are you there in Malachi chapter 2? It's the last book in the Old Testament. It should be fairly easy to find. Malachi chapter 2. This is one thing that people do not understand because most people have been exposed to liberalism, liberal Christianity. And let me let you in on a little secret. All those liberal preachers... The Joel Osteens and the, you know, all, all the rock concert churches. All the churches where the past, where it's like a rock concert, where there's like lasers and you've got a 40-year-old guy dressed like a 13-year-old kid. You know, the, 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 the skinny jeans and the t-shirt. The Those people are not preaching the whole counsel of God. In fact, they are purposely avoiding most of the Bible. 
So please understand something. Number one, you ought, we ought to realize that Red Hot Preaching is not for everyone. But number two, you need to recognize, every single Christian needs to recognize that the Bible is a controversial book. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me give you some examples. It uses harsh language. The Bible uses harsh language. Look, we can spend all day on this. I'm not going to spend all day on this. I'll just give you one example. Malachi chapter 2, verse 1. Malachi chapter 2, look at it. This is in the Word of God. Malachi 2, verse 1. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Notice how applicable this is. This is Malachi the prophet preaching to the priest, and he says, this commandment is for you. He's like, this is applicable. Verse 2. And by the way, he's preaching to priests, so these are supposed to be mature Christians, right? Mature individuals. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Look at verse 3. Behold, look, look at it. Look at verse 3. Behold, this is in the word of God. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces. Did you just see what I, did you just look at what I read? From the holy, precious word of God? This was the message from the preacher. He said, hey, guys, God has a message for you. Oh, great, what is it? I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. Do you understand what he just said? He said, I'm going to take the dung, that, you know, out of the toilet. I'm going to spread it all over your face. This is God. Now, look, you're not going to find this on a card with a Thomas Kincaid painting. You're not going to find a Thomas Kincaid painting that says, happy birthday, you know, happy anniversary. God bless you. I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. Because people don't like these types of verses. But let me tell you something. These types of verses are in the Bible. Amen. This is the word of God. And look, as a Christian, you and I need to just decide, I love the Bible, all of it. I like every part of it. I like Psalm 23. I like the, verse, the, the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 on charity. I like all the beautiful passages that everyone wants to put on their walls. And I like all the controversial stuff too. It's all good. John's good, but so is Leviticus. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. Praise God. Even the dung of your solemn feast and one shall take you away. He says, I'm so sick and tired. Literally, if you want to get the application, I want a Sunday morning sermon where you just read a verse and give me the application. Here's the application. He says, I'm so sick and tired of your solemn feast. He says, I'm so sick and tired of your religious gatherings that mean nothing. He says, I want to go into the bathroom and take the dung out of there. Here's what he's saying. This is what God thinks about Joel Osteen. He wants to walk into that arena of his and take the dung out of the bathroom of the people going to that service because he's so sick and tired of it. He wants to pull it out and spread it all over his face. That's literally the application. You say, I don't know. Maybe you should read it. Maybe you should become skillful in the word. And look, I'm just, I'm just saying to you, and look, this is one. We could go to a lot. I went to this one because this is my personal favorite. <laughs> I would put this on a card. <laughs> when you quit our church, I'm going to send you a card. God bless you. I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. The word of God. 
here's all I'm trying to explain to you. The Bible uses harsh language. Well, I don't think, uh, Pastor, I don't think you should say those words. I don't think you should say the word dung. What's a biblical word? I've had people tell me, I don't think you should use the word pastor. It's literally in the Bible. I don't think you should use the word piss. It's literally a Bible word. I don't think you should use the word damn. It's a biblical word. I don't think you should use the word hell. It's a biblical word. You know what the Bible says? The words of the Lord are pure words. Everything in the Bible is pure. Everything in the Bible is good. And if you don't like it, then maybe you're the problem, not God. So look, we need to recognize that the Bible is a controversial book, and we need to realize that the Bible itself uses harsh language. Hard preaching. Red hot preaching. Go to Jude, if you would. Jude, second to last book, right before the book of Revelation, you have Jude, one chapter, Jude, one chapter. And look, please understand something. If you come to a church like ours and you hear something and you think like, I don't know about that. That's kind of controversial. I'm not sure I've ever heard that before. You know, number one, you should realize the Bible uses harsh language. But let me say this as well. Hey, you know, you should come talk to me. If you have a question, I don't know why people, people are like so afraid to like talk to me. And I don't get it. Honestly, I'm not being sarcastic about it. I don't understand it. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm five foot four. And there's just, just these grown men, and they're like, and their wives have to come and say, like, oh, my husband, he didn't want to tell you this. But I'm like, why is your husband such a baby? <laughs> Maybe that's why they're afraid to talk to me. I don't know. Look, if you hear something that you don't like, or that you think like, oh, I, I don't know about that. Because look, we're all growing. Not everybody knows everything in the Bible. You should just come to me and ask me. You know, literally, I'm going to use an illustration, and I, I, have, I have received permission to use this illustration. So I'm, you know, th this is something I'm not saying this out of, out of hand. But last year at the Red Hot Preaching Conference, uh, somebody had a question about, because I, I was preaching and I used the word queer. And somebody had a question about that. You know, this individual, they did the right thing. They did the mature thing. You know what they did? They came to me. He said, hey, Pastor, I had a question about your sermon. Do you mind? And he even invited us, invited me out to, uh, to, to lunch, and we, we had lunch together. And they said, hey, you know, I'm, I was curious about, you know, you use this word. And let me just say this. I respect that. I respect someone who says, hey, I have a question. You're the pastor. Let me ask you, why did you use this word? You know, I've never, I, I don't know, is that something that's, that's appropriate? Is that allowed? You know, what, is that something, I've never heard a pastor say that or whatever. And look, to me, that's a very honorable thing to do. You know what's wrong is for you to just go around and just talk behind my back. You know, be mature and, and have enough of, a, of just integrity to say, hey, I have a question. Let me ask the pastor about it. And, you know, this individual came to me and said, hey, what, you know, you use this word, and I just want to talk to you about it. And I explained to them, Jude, if you're there in Jude 1, I explained why I use the word. Jude 1, 7 the Bible says this, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and of course Sodom and Gomorrah is a, a reference to homosexuality, which queer, today the word queer is like a slang word that people think if you use it, it's like a derogatory word towards homosexuals. But Jude 1.7 says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication 
and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. And the word queer literally means strange or odd. That's what the word means. And the reason people have called homosexuals queers through the years is because they're strange and they're odd. But that's not even the real, the real reason is because look at Jude 1.7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. The word queer, the, a synonym for the word queer is the word strange. And here the Bible says, you know what homosexuals do? They go after queer flesh. They go after strange flesh. They go after flesh that is not natural. Because it's, not, it's strange for a man to be attracted to another man. That's not normal. That's strange. That's what the Bible says. It's strange flesh. It's strange for a woman to be attracted to another woman. That's not normal. It's strange. Romans 1 calls it unnatural. Read Romans 1. Over and over, talking about homosexuality, he says it's unnatural, it's unnatural, it's unnatural. Jude said, it's strange flesh. And look, you may be here this morning saying, I can't believe this, I'm offended. Hey, I'm reading the Bible to you. But the word queer simply means strange, and that's literally what the Bible calls it, strange flesh. But, you know, I have respect for this uh, individual who came to me and said, hey, I have a question about this, because that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is you, you have a question, Ask. And obviously, they did it in the right spirit. You should do it in the right spirit. The Bible says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. You know, and, and this person, you know, they're like, hey, let's have lunch. That's, that's always a good start with me. <laughs> you know, let's have lunch. And then we had this conversation. I explained my point. Like, oh, that's a good point. I never knew that. That's great. That's awesome. You know, praise the Lord. And, and, and we moved on. So just realize that the Bible uses harsh language, and therefore, sometimes preachers that are preaching the Bible are going to use harsh language. Because I don't know how Joel Osteen would preach that. <laughs> Let me tell you, friend. God wants to take the dung and spread it all over your face. <laughs> By my book. I, I, don't, I don't know how you say that liberally. I don't know how you say that like a liberal. So sometimes the Bible is harsh, and when you preach the harsh sections of the Bible, which we're supposed to, Amen. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. That's the reason why at Verity Baptist Church, we have a goal to preach through every verse of the Bible, and we're like 40% there. Why? And look, we're going to preach through all of it, even the parts that, that people don't like. You said, but that's not politically correct. That's why Paul said, be instant in season, out of season whether it's popular or not. So the Bible sometimes says harsh things. It sometimes says politically incorrect things. And look, you say, what do I do when the Bible says something that is different than what society tells me is politically correct? Well, this is where you, and this is where Christians have to make a decision. You either have to decide the Bible's wrong, the holy precious word of God is wrong, and Oprah Winfrey and Joe Biden are right. Or you decide society must be wrong. Because the Bible's clear. And the Bible's God's word. And I'm going to side with the word of God no matter what society says. Because let me tell you something. There's lots of parts in the Bible that are, that are controversial. They're not politically correct. I mean, homosexuality is just one of them. Transgender is one of them. 
The Bible forbids a man putting on the clothing of a woman. The Bible forbids a woman putting on the clothing of a man. It's literally in the Bible, God forbids it. But your public school is brainwashing you to think, no, transgender is normal. Well, you got to decide, is society right or is scripture right? And that's where the rubber meets the road for many Christians. So it uses harsh language. It says things that are politically incorrect. And let me just say this as well. It calls out false preachers by name. Go to Romans, Romans chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 16. Because let me tell you something. If you come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, you're probably going to hear some false preachers called out by name. You might, you might be here this morning and be like, I don't think you should be making fun of Joel Osteen. Joel, you know, you shouldn't be naming people by name. Well, hold on a second. And look, I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you grow thereby. When somebody says to me, I don't think, because people often say this, I don't think preachers should call out other preachers by name. I don't think that's very Christian. I think to myself, translation, you know, I, it's like, it's like uh, Charlie Brown. When, when, when the adults are speaking, it's like, womp, 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 womp. You know, I don't think that you should call preachers, womp, womp, womp. And what I, what I hear is, I've never read the Bible. I don't know what the Bible says. I like to act spiritual, but I actually don't care enough to actually read the Word of God. Because let me explain something to you. All throughout the New Testament, Paul and John and men of God are calling out false preachers by name. You said prove it. Okay, let's look at it. Romans, well, first, let's look at just a principle. Romans 16, 17. This is what Paul said. Romans 16, 17. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Mark them. How do you mark someone? You identify them. What's the best way to identify someone? Isn't it by their name? I mean, I could get up here and say, there's this preacher in Houston, Texas, and, you know, he's tall, and he drives a Ferrari, and, and, he, and he has a mullet. Um, or I could just say, like, you know Joel Osteen? Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Why should we mark them and avoid them? You know why we should mark them? You know why we preach against false preachers by name? So that you will not get sucked into their false doctrine. Our goal is to mark them and avoid them. That's what it says. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Okay, so you say, well, I, the adverse just has to mark them and avoid them. Show me a verse where pe people are being called out by name. All right, glad you asked. 1 Timothy 1. Let's look at it. If you kept your place in 2 Timothy, right before 2 Timothy, you got 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 20. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And this is the holy word of God. This is the word of God. Notice what it says. 1 Timothy 1.20. Paul says, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? That, that's, let me let you in on a little secret. That's two names. Those are two individuals. He's calling them out by name. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? You say, well, how do you know he's calling them out? Whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul says, here's what he's saying. He says, I'm praying for Hymenaeus and Alexander. Oh, really, Paul? That's so nice. You're praying for them. No, no, no. I'm praying that they would be delivered unto Satan. <laughs> that they may learn not to blaspheme. The Bible's harsh. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You're there in 1 Timothy. 
Hymenaeus and Alexander. You say, well, maybe those were just kind of uh, some, you know, very extreme case. 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 15. 2 Timothy 1, 15. Think that this thou knowest, 2 Timothy 1, 15, this thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Is he saying that these people are good people? He says, he says that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Here's what he's saying. These guys quit on me. And then he's like, let me be clear who I'm talking about. Of whom is Phygelus and Hermogenes. Calls them out by name. Look, I don't know about you, but I would hate to have been called out by name in the Holy Spirit the scriptures. I mean, I've had people say really mean things about me because of my preaching, you know, like on Facebook and Instagram. But like to, to, have, to have your name called out, and this, and Paul was right to do this. And the war, I mean, for all of eternity, these guys are called out. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 17. 2 Timothy 2, 17. And their word will eat as doth a canker. Notice what he says. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus? This is the second calling out for Hymenaeus. He must have really pissed off the Apostle Paul. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Look, do you understand that these were real people living at this time? Real preachers who were influencing people. And Paul's writing and just saying like Hymenaeus and Alexander. Phygelus and Hermogenes. Hymenaeus and Philetus. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 10. 2 Timothy 4.10. Look what he says. 2 Timothy 4.10. 2 Timothy 4.10, for Demas hath forsaken me. Look, Paul is just calling people out by name. This guy forsook Paul, and he's like calling him out. Demas hath forsaken me. And is this positive? Look, having loved this present world. I'm just here to tell you something. I don't think people should be called out by name. Well, take it up with Paul. Take it up with the Holy Spirit of God. Because all throughout the New Testament, people are being called out by name. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look, uh, excuse me, you're there in chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. This is the word of God. You say, well, maybe it's just Paul. Paul, you know, he's just on a power trip. Okay, go to 3 John chapter 1. Remember John? Remember the beloved John? John the beloved? John the Beloved, known for love, he wrote all the, he, he, he's the one that wrote, for God so loved the world. He's the one that said, you know, that a man lays down his life for his friend, and, and that's true love. Third John 1, 9, that same John said this, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, just calling them out, but Diotrephes who loveth to have preeminence, he's still preaching about love, just the wrong love here. But Diotrephes, who loveth to have preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So look, here's the point that I'm making. All throughout the New Testament, people are being called out by name. And again, look, maybe you're not ready for red-hot preaching. That's okay. We're not mad at you. In fact, honestly, I love you. I'm praying for you. I want you to grow thereby. But don't get mad at me for calling out preachers by name when the Apostle Paul's calling out preachers by name. So look, just realize if you come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, you're going to hear names like Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, John Hagee. Who's that other crazy guy in Texas, the demon guy? 
Kenneth Copeland. Yeah, that guy's weird. Um, who wasn't it? What? Tom White, Billy Graham. Okay, look, I'm just telling you, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear preachers called off by name, and you just need to realize that's not not biblical. In fact, that is very biblical, because you're supposed to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So recognize that the Bible is controversial. Number three, go, go to Psalms. You're like, oh, finally Psalms. This will be good. The only book I've ever read, Psalms. Even, you haven't even read Psalms. Because, you know, lots of Psalms are praying that God would knock out the teeth of, his, of the enemies of the Lord. That they would melt like a snail, literally. The book of Psalms. So you, don't tell me, you know. And look, we all love Psalm 23. Praise God for it. But that's not the only chapter in the Bible. Number one, realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. Number two, recognize that the Bible is controversial. Look, you got to recognize the Bible is controversial, and you need to just make a decision. I, I've made this decision a long time ago. I will side with the Bible, period. I will side with the Bible. There's nothing you can't, you, you can't show me something in the Bible. Anything, what about this? I'm going to praise God for it. you got to just side with the Word of God. Number three, resolve to not be easily offended. You ought to resolve to not be easily offended. Psalm 119, 165. Look at what it says. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know why I can tell you, hey, if you have a question about my preaching, come talk to me. And I can tell you, I will not be offended if you ask me. Now, I will, I will be pissed off if you come at me with the wrong attitude. Because the Bible says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. But if you invite me to lunch, <laughs> please don't invite me to lunch. You know, so I, I'm not asking for you. But what I'm saying, if you come to me and, and you have the right spirit and the right attitude, you're like, hey, pastor, you know, you mentioned this. I, I just had a question about it. Hey, I'm never going to be offended at that. You say, well, how can you say that? Because you know what the Bible says? Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. And I realize that if you're offended about something I said, you're not offended at me. You're offended at what the Bible says. And there's one, there's two there's two possible answers. Either maybe you don't understand what I said or why I said it and I can show it to you from the Bible. Or maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, you know, I, it's just like, hey, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Because, you know, we preachers are human beings too. And I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm the Lord Jesus Christ and I can't make mistakes. So, just, so look, we, we should just... In life, we should be people that are just not easily offended. And you've heard me say this in the past, and I'm just going to say it, say it, continue to say it. But spiritual people, in fact, you go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you kept your place in Romans, right after Romans, you got 1 Corinthians. You've heard me say this before, but I'll, let me say it again. Spiritual people take something that is big, and they make it small. You know what the Bible calls it? Calls it turning the other cheek. You know what the Bible calls it? It calls it esteeming others better than yourself. You know what the Bible calls it? The Bible calls it suffering yourself to be defrauded. That's what spiritual people do. So spiritual people, they take something that's big, and they turn the other cheek. They suffer themselves to be defrauded. They esteem others better than themselves. You know what they do? They, take, they make it very small. Some big thing that someone did against them, they're like, it's, it's fine. I forgive you. 
No problem. Let's move on. You know what carnal people do? Carnal people take something that's very small and they make it very big. Yeah. Carnal people fight about, you parked in my parking spot. You sat in my chair. You know, they take something that's ridiculous and they make it big. 1 Corinthians 3, are you there? Look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, this is how I sometimes feel. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. This is Paul writing the Corinthians. But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Sometimes I feel like this, like, I wish I could talk to you like you're a mature Christian, but unfortunately you're not. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. You ought to resolve to not be easily offended. You ought to resolve to be someone who's spiritual. You ought to resolve to be the type of person who suffers himself to be defrauded. You ought to resolve to be the type of person that esteems others better than yourself. You ought to resolve to be mature enough to say, I've never heard that before. I'm not sure what I think about that. Let me ask. Amen. You ought to resolve to not be the person who's easily offended. And look, just in life, just in general, people that are just always offended, their feelings are always hurt. There's always something. Just, just stop. Just stop being a baby. If you're not a baby, stop being a baby. If you're three months old, be easily offended. You know, babies are easily offended. Have you noticed that? They're hungry, they cry about it. They need a diaper change, they cry about it. They want to be held, they cry about it. They're bored, they just cry. <laughs> but when grown 40-year-old men are crying, it's like, stop being a baby! Amen. Grow up! Read the Bible! Be mature! Stop being such a wimp. Go to Romans. You're there in 1 Corinthians, Romans. And that's just what I say to the wives. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. I'm kidding. 1 Corinthians, Romans, Romans chapter 4. I'm trying to prepare you for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. You know what I've found about Christians is that they, they like Red Hot Preaching when it's about the Sodomites. They like red-hot preaching when it's about the abortion clinic. They like red-hot preaching when it's not about them. But all of a sudden, you know, that, you know that I'm, I'm fine with that type of preaching. I don't have a problem with it. But you know my favorite type of preaching is when I step on your toes. When I walk down your aisle. And then all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> I thought you like red-hot preaching. This is red-hot preaching too. Romans chapter 4. Here's number 4. We've got to finish this up. Number one, realize that red-hot preaching is not for everyone. Number two, recognize that the Bible is controversial. Number three, resolve to not be easily offended. Number four, remember to ask. Remember to ask. You should always ask this question. This is the question. This is the go-to question. Every Bible-believing Christian should ask this question. Remember to ask, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Are you there in Romans 4.3? I love this. Just look at this little phrase. Just the first part of Romans 4.3. For what saith the Scripture? I love that. For what saith the scripture? Go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter, you're there in Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Look at verse 30. Galatians 4.30. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 30. Paul says this. Nevertheless, notice it. Don't miss it. What saith the scripture? Let me tell you something. You know, this, when I grew up, this is what I was told. When the Bible is the boss, you're a Baptist. Yeah. 
we are biblicists. We are Bible-believing preachers. We are Bible-believing Christians. And I realize that everybody says they're a Bible-believing Christian, but when we say it, we actually mean it. Because we like even the part about the dung in your faces. We like it all. I like Judges 19. I like Genesis 19. I like Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20. We like all of it. Romans 1. But look, if you ever find yourself offended, you ought to ask this question. Well, what does the Bible say? Because you might hear some red-hot preaching and you're like, I've never heard that before. But okay, but ask yourself, what does the Bible say? Are they saying what the Bible says? Because you could leave here this morning and say, can you believe that? I'm never going back. He talked about dung on people's faces. But wait a minute. If you ask the question, well, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says to put dung on people's faces. Then it's like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed abominations, they shall surely be put to death. Now, that's the Levitical law. Obviously, we don't uphold that today in our society. But you know what God thinks about homosexuality? He put the death penalty on it. If God had a nation that he ran, which he did, called Old Testament Israel, you know what he thought about homosexuality? He put the death penalty. Both of them have committed abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So we get up and say, hey, God's against homosexuality. In fact, God put them to death in the Old Testament. And people are like, ah! I can't believe you were saying that. But why don't you ask this question? What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that God put the death. Okay. Then what's the problem? Well, I didn't like you said it. Well, I didn't, I didn't like how you said it. I'm just a big fat baby. Look, why don't you ask the question, what does the Bible say? Because look, when I, when I hear hard preaching and I'm like, whoa, that's hard preaching. You know what I think to myself? Well, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that? Does the word of God say that? Because if the Bible says it, I love the Bible. For what saith the scripture? Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Go to Jeremiah chapter 23. We'll finish up. Jeremiah 23. Moral of the story. Stop being a big fat baby. This is how to prepare for the Red Hot Preaching Conference. Number one, realize that the Red Hot Preaching, Red Hot Preaching is not for everyone. So look, bringing your little Catholic grandma who you want to get saved, hey, praise God for your you're trying to get your grandma saved. But the Red Hot Preaching Conference is not, probably not the place. And the fact that I even have to explain that to people is amazing to me. Because I, I don't think I'm that smart, but I feel, like I, I feel like I woke up one day and just, you know, my IQ went up or everyone else's IQs went down because I, I see people doing something. I'm like, why are you doing that? That makes no sense. Number two, recognize that the Bible is controversial. It uses harsh language at times. It calls out preachers by name. What do we do with that? I, I decided I love the Bible. Number three, you ought to resolve not to be easily offended. You ought to decide, you know what? I'm going to be spiritual. I don't want to be the type of person that I can't be spoken to as unto spiritual, but I have to be spoken to as unto carnal, even as unto babes. And then number four, remember to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Because, look, if the Bible says it, 
If the Bible says it, then you should stand with it. Well, I don't like how they said it. That's not. Stop being such a baby. For what sake the scripture is the question we got to ask. Jeremiah 23, we'll be done right here. Jeremiah 23, verse 28, the prophets that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Why have a Red Hawk Region Conference? Because the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. You know what? If a preacher is going to call himself a preacher, he had to speak the word of God faithfully. And that's all of it. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. The whole counsel of God. You say, why? Why does God want us to preach the whole word of God? Because here's what you need to understand. The word of God is powerful. I could get up here like the liberal preacher, 20-minute sermonette, one verse, bunch of jokes, bunch of stories. But you know what? There's no power in my jokes. There's no power in, 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 in my stories. But you know where the power, the power lies in the word of God. Look at verse 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? God says, look, preacher, start preaching the Bible because that's where the power is. Biblical preaching is powerful. Let me say this. Biblical preaching changes lives. Jeremiah 23, 21, I have not sent these prophets, <laughs> yet they ran. Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Look at verse 22. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. You know, biblical preaching is powerful, and biblical preaching changes lives. That's why we need it. Hey, why do you get up and preach this way? Pastor, don't you think, I mean, you're about to buy this 400-seat auditorium. Uh, you think you're going to fill 400 seats preaching this way? Maybe you should get rid of the pulpit, put a little stool there, wear a turtleneck, and start giving us talks. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. If I'm trying to save marriages... If I'm trying to help people get victory over habitual sins, if I'm trying to help these kids be raised in the godly Christian homes, then this is the kind of preaching we need. Because the power is in the word of God, and it is the word of God that changes lives. Someone said this, the world may reform, but the word of God transforms. And that's what we need. Red hot preaching. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this church. And Lord, I, I do pray that people would receive the message and in, in, in the spirit in which it was given. Lord, honestly, we need to prepare for red-hot preaching. And sometimes that means we have to be wise enough to discern that some people may not be ready for it. And that's okay. We feed them with milk that they may grow thereby because we want to get them to the place where they will be able to receive strong meat. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to put these principles into action. 
help us to realize that the Bible is a controversial book and we should love it, all of it. Help us to remember to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Or help us to not be, to determine to not be the person that's easily offended. Help us to learn the Bible and to grow thereby. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have uh, Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to remind you, uh, of course, 